0: Uh, uh, Weddings, man, they're awesome. And just know that our goal, okay, our goal here at River Valley Church is that uh, anyone's big day is not their worst year, okay? We don't want to set people up for their big day to be their worst year of their life. So we take weddings seriously, we take marriage seriously, and we want to set couples up to win. So we have something we call marriage mentoring, and I'm going to talk a little bit more about that A little bit later. Now, if you're in the room and you're still single, okay, please lean in this is for everyone this message truly is for everyone and if you're single maybe someday you're going to get married so please join in it's going to be a great message trust trust me uh, now why is marriage such a big deal to God okay to get this we go all the way back to the beginning in Genesis chapter 2 God there's a there's a key moment there at creation where God talks about this and in Genesis 2 verse 18 it says the Lord God said it is not good for man to be alone all extroverts are praising Jesus. Jesus, right now, right? It's not good for man to be alone. The introverts, you're like, no, it's okay. It's really okay. I can be alone for all day on the couch, no one else. Uh, I think God was an extrovert, so uh, and He said, "I will make a helper who is just right for him." So the Lord God caused man to fall into a deep sleep, and while the man slept, the Lord. God took out of uh, out one of the man's ribs and closed the opening. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib and he brought her to the man. At last, the man exclaimed, this is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She will be called woman because she was taken out of man. This explains why a man leaves his father and his mother and is joined to his wife and the two are united into one. This is a lifelong union church. It's a covenant relationship. And I want to, I want to, kind of unpack this just a little bit. There's a word in there. The word is helper, and it's got a lot of baggage in, in our culture today. But I just want you to know, in the original Hebrew culture, it, it was perfectly fine. And the Hebrew word for helper is actually ezer. That's the word. It's it's found in the Old Covenant, the Old Testament, 21 times. And 16 time, of those times, the word ezer actually refers to God himself who comes alongside to help us in times of trouble or need. In case you missed that, it refers to a stronger party or God himself, not weaker, okay? I know there's a reason, there's no reason that we should think that the word helper means assistant or servant or second in command. That's something that we added to that word. That wasn't God's original intent, okay? Uh, Now, when it says suitable helper, that literally is saying a helper that uh, is like him or corresponding to him or equal to him. So when Adam says, she is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh, what he was actually saying is, this is my equal. She is like me. She is the same as me, okay? Uh, And so that's what's so awesome about that text. I needed to say that to set the foundation for this message. Now, a key to this message, okay? Uh, this is the key to this message. A Christ-centered marriage is a template for the world to see Christ in His church through. Okay, I always when I sit down with couples, when we when I start meeting with them, getting ready to do their wedding, I always say this because it's so important that we see that marriage, a Christian marriage, should be a template for the world to see Jesus and His church together. We ought to be that. To the world. Uh, Revelation nineteen there's this beautiful picture of this big wedding that's gonna happen in heaven. And Revelation nineteen seven says this Let us rejoice and exalt him and give him glory, because the wedding celebration of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. Now, I always tell, I love to tell people too, there's a lot of awesome symbolism in weddings. I know for some people it's a terrible waste of a good Saturday, but uh, awesome, honestly, weddings are awesome, okay? Uh, Think about it, okay? Uh, Symbolism. Some of the symbolism in a wedding, we generally have a center aisle. And the center aisle, I don't have time to talk about why that's so important, but it is really an important part of a wedding. And then we always have the groom up here waiting at the altar for his bride. And when she enters the room and that music starts, man, everybody stands up and honors the bride. Again, the bride is the picture of the body of Christ and she's adorned in white. It speaks to purity. It speaks of acts of uh, works of the saints that that adorn them with beauty, and she comes to the altar to meet her groom. This is a beautiful picture of what happens when someone surrenders and submits their life to Christ and gives their heart to God. We had a couple weeks ago a young man, his name is Kenny. He raised his hand for salvation. He didn't even let me finish the service, and he was running up front to the prayer teams to pray. That is beautiful, and that's what I want to see more often. On our weekends it was beautiful it was rich it was awesome that's the picture that's all the stuff happening in a wedding ceremony it's a beautiful picture of Christ in his church and, and so that's that's why I, I make time to talk about all this stuff. And you might ask, well, how do I prepare for marriage? Well, we have something at, at River Valley called marriage mentoring. And Jay and Leslie Kuchemeister, they're actually, uh, licensed pastors, and they're our, they are actually licensed pastors—and they set it all up. So when you go online and register, and you put your name and email in there, and Egan Campus, they get the email. They'll they'll send you all the stuff. They hook you up with a marriage mentoring couple. It's an awesome process. And then, the, but our goal at River Valley is honestly, to honor God in everything we do. We honor God by honoring and showing value to one another. And before this is before and after the wedding. So, so I, we feel like it's important that we're aligned together and we're aligned in Christ and aligned in his word. This is key. Uh, this is just a, a uh, book that—it's uh, a resource. We don't like give this out or anything, but this is a book that I've actually gone through couples with. It's called "Saving Your Marriage Before It Starts." That's a really good idea, you know. And so, good good wisdom and tips in here. It's from Dr. Les and Leslie Parrott. I think it's funny that they almost had the same name. Uh, but uh, "Saving Your Marriage Before It Starts" good resource. Check it out. Uh, I just want to share some quick stats before I get into the meat of the message here, but. Some quick stats. This was the question asked. It said, "Is marriage obsolete?" Thirty-nine uh, percent of the respondents to the Time Magazine survey said that marriage is becoming obsolete. That's a bummer. Like that's really sad to me. Uh, then the topic of cohabitation or living together before they're married. Mar- this is as as marriage has declined, cohabitation or living together has nearly doubled since 1990. Marriage is no longer considered a prerequisite to parenthood. More people are living together before marriage, yet living together before marriage actually raises your chances of divorce. I'm not speaking anything over anyone, okay, by the way. This is a stat. This is something they've discovered. 49% of cohabitating couples divorce within five years. Barna research shows that pro- Protestant Christian couples have the same divorce rate as, as christian uh, as the national average average, so the church and the the life the couples outside the church same average of divorce I just' don't, i don't know if this is right church I mean I asked the question has marriage really lost its value and meaning and its power? I just asked the question to be blatantly honest, I think that we as a church must have more success uh, than outside the church. why because marriage again is supposed to be a template For the world to see Christ in his church in union together. We're supposed to reflect that to the world that we live in. The other thing that I thought of is, in other words, we have have the secret sauce. We have the grace of God. We have the Holy Spirit living within us. This grace is not given to us as an excuse to to not do God's will. This grace is our power to live by his will, to live in his word. I'm asking the question, is it possible that we've lost focus on how to live out this covenant relationship with, with each other and with God. Um, Here's just a simple approach that I've heard in the past, and I think it's amazing, so I just want to share it with you. Uh, I think, and this is what I heard, the true goal of a spouse is to not try and make their spouse happy, but (laughs) seek to make their spouse holy. Amen. You can say amen to that. Like, that is really good. I think that is really good. When I heard that, I felt sorry for my wife. I was like, man, she has been a busy woman from the day she met me. This is why, if she ever looks tired, this is why. She's not trying to make me happy. She's just trying to make me holy, like, hoping that it works. Anyway, uh, but, Uh, Just, I noticed, okay, this is 100% true. Uh, They found, like, honestly, happiness is just a byproduct of holiness, okay? Happiness, man, that's a moving target. Like, what makes one person happy could make the other person seriously frustrated, so don't even try, okay? But we have the book on holiness. If the church would read it, Just pray, read, do what it says when God speaks to you. It's very simple. We have the book on holiness. We can do this, church. I believe in you, okay? Uh, This is what I put, and this should be up on the screen, but church, we have to fight for amazing marriages. We can't settle for okay marriages. God's vision for us is to love one another as Christ loves his church, Okay, that's that's my heart. That's my heart. That's our heart is that the church is just amazing has amazing marriages and there's power in that um now, I'm going to get to the main text today is in Ephesians, you know, Ephesians 5. It's uh, like couples have me read texts from Ephesians 5 a lot in their weddings. Why? Because there's, there's, there's a lot to learn from it. The Apostle Paul, when he was writing this letter, was actually helping out the church. He was instructing the church on practical ways to live their lives in Christ. And if you're hungry to do God's will, like this is one of those letters in the book of the Bible, like you just almost highlight the whole thing and then you're like, why did I even highlight uh, now, this text is a little bit long, but just bear with me, okay? And uh, one little other warning before we read this. There, there's a certain word, okay, in this text. And I just, I don't, what I don't want is I don't want you to be like squirrel and get distracted. I want you to focus in on what I'm about to read. I'm about to read God's word. Uh, but there's a word in there called, it's, it's, it's submit, okay? And you just got to trust me that this is a good word, okay? It's a really good word, promise you. Actually, I was meeting with a couple, I'm going to do their wedding, and I was like, you guys got any questions, you know, you got any questions about what, like, marriage coming up, and, and the, the bride-to-be was like, yeah, I like, like, this whole submission thing, what's it all about? And I'm like, well, would you like me to take a shot, or you want your marriage mentors to talk about it? And she's like, yeah, go ahead. So, uh, so I took a shot at it, and uh, we talked about it, but man, as I talked about it, this is so Beautiful. God, when when we we love each other that much and trust each other that we'd be willing to submit to one another, it is a very, very beautiful thing. The problem is, is every good thing that comes from God, the enemy loves to take it and twist it or damage it or use it for a term in wrestling or something like that. And just being honest, like marriage is not about chokeholds and stuff, okay? Just being honest. It's different, okay? It's different. So if you do that, if you're a wrestler, you got to change when you get home. Uh, but think about it. There's other words too, okay? There's other words that, that we, we ruin, okay? Uh, one word, codependence. If you've ever struggled with codependence, codependence with people is dysfunctional. Codependence with God is actually our goal. You ever thought of that? Uh, addiction, okay? Being addicted to a substance or an activity, it could, could destroy your life. But I would argue to say that we were created to be addicted to Jesus. Can I get one amen for that? Come on. Okay, I got more than one. I'm happy right now. Praise God. Praise God. Um, As I read this text, too, I just want one other thing to focus in on. As I read this text, pay attention to the picture of Christ in his church. Paul's talking about marriage. But, but he's really talking about also Christ and his church. So I'm going to start in Ephesians 1 through 3. Okay, this is to all of us. But then I'm going to jump to 21 where he starts talking about marriages. So read with me. This is from the message translation. Uh, so it'll be up on the screen. Verse 1. Watch what God does and then you do it. Like children who learn proper behavior from their parents. Mostly what God does is love you. Keep company with him and learn a life of love. Observe how Christ loved us. His love was not cautious, but extravagant. That's beautiful. He didn't love in order to get something from us, but to give everything of himself to us. Love like that. Don't allow your love to turn into lust, setting off a downhill slide into sexual promiscuity, Filthy practices or bullying greed. Okay, again, verses one through three. That was to the whole church. And I read it because it's so beautiful and it speaks to this beautiful interaction of love, okay? Uh, Verse 21, out of respect for Christ, be courteously reverent to one another. A lot of versions use that word right there, submit to one another. Notice how Paul, right off the bat, before he even starts, he says, submit to one another, Okay, now he speaks to wives and he says, understand and support your husbands in ways that show your support for Christ. The husband provides leadership to his wife uh, the way Christ does to his church, not by domineering, but by cherishing. So just as the church submits to Christ as he exercises such leadership, wives should submit or likewise submit to their husbands. Husbands, go all out in your love For your wives, exactly as Christ did for the whole church. His word evokes her beauty. His word evokes her beauty. Um, He's speaking to the church there. Everything he does and says is, is, is designed to bring the best out of her, dressing her in dazzling white silk. That speaks to the bride, this dazzling white silk, radiant with holiness. And that is how husbands ought to love their wives. They're really doing themselves a favor since they're already one in marriage. No one abuses his own body, does he? he no, he feeds and pampers it. That's how uh, Christ treats us, the church, since we are prepared, of his, uh, are part of his body. And this is why man leaves his father and mother to cherish his wife. No longer two, they become one flesh. This is a huge mystery, and I don't pretend to understand it all, What is the clearest to me is the way Christ treats the church. Amen. And this provides a good picture of how each husband is to treat his wife, loving himself and loving her, and how each wife is to honor her husband. Beautiful text. Beautiful text. I hope you're able to follow along. Uh, It is beautiful. I think what Paul is doing here is very practical okay? He's just giving us some practical stuff, especially right at the end there. In a lot of versions, it says, husbands, love your wives. Wives, respect your husbands. That doesn't mean that only husbands love and only wives respect. It means he's just talking about love languages. He's just being practical there. He says, men typically feed on respect. Wives typically feed on love. So just do that. Just keep it simple. Uh, I truly believe that this text, okay, contains some keys to spiritual intimacy in our marriages. Not just intimacy with God. That's awesome. That's beautiful. But this gives us some keys to intimacy with one another in marriage. And I don't know where your mind goes when you think of intimacy, okay? Intimacy isn't just about physical touch stuff, okay? Intimacy is actually built through other ways. And I have honestly been challenged lately in growing not just in my love with God, my love for God, but to have a deeper, more intimate relationship with God so I can have a more intimate relationship with my wife. Uh, I believe this. Intimacy, is, it, it comes out of spending quality time with someone and truly getting to know them and interacting with them, putting their needs and wants and desires before yours. It's not just a sex thing, okay? That's the worldview. Uh, intimacy is a beautiful thing. It's powerful. Now, first off, Paul says we're we're called to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Honestly, I'm just being honest with you today, okay? I constantly try to do a good job at this, but I constantly tend to mess it up. And to prove that point, uh, last week, Sue and I, we were at a, a, what was it, a we were at an anniversary party with some friends, and so we 're there we 're with these friends they 're good friends and they 're talking about these two other friends had had planned a vacation without us. I mean, how dare they? So they had planned this awesome vacation up to the Apostle Islands, and it was, it was it involved camping, and I just got so excited. I'm like, Sue and I have wanted to go there, and so this is a great idea, great opportunity. They, they made the mistake of telling me about it, which was their, their fault, but uh, I'm thinking, man, camping, All oh, that means campfires at night, and getting up in the morning, and drinking coffee, and reading the Bible with my friends and stuff. I was totally thinking about myself. I wasn't thinking about Sue at this time. Time at all, okay, and, uh, but I was really excited about it. Uh, little, little, uh, I want to help you out here. Whenever you invite yourself over to people's houses and stuff, okay, I want to give you some tips. Uh, especially when you're, when you're talking about something bigger like a vacation and friends make the mistake of talking about it in front of you. Just join into the conversation and give some input and, and ideas every once in a while. And when you do, use words like we and us. And then uh, subconsciously, I really believe they like, feel like, oh, Topper must be part of this. Him and Sue must be coming. You know, they, they don't even notice it until it's too late. So <laughs> it works. Try it. It works. It works. And if you know me and I know where you live, I may just show up uninvited. So uh, I'm good at it. But anyway, the next, the next day or whenever it was, I mean, I really thought Sue and I were in on this. Like, I thought we were going. I thought it was a great idea. And I'm double checking, you know, should get time off and all that. And Sue's like, you know, I'm not really nuts about the whole idea. I thought, what? Like, we both are terrible at planning stuff like this. And they had already planned it all out. I'm like, this is right there for us. And, uh, and I, little did, I just did not even care about the fact that my wife could care less if she ever spends one more minute in a tent ever her life like her 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 definition of camping is hotel six maybe okay like it's like that's that'd be the bottom end of roughing it and and so I just I totally ignored that though I was not thinking about her at all and I actually when she said that I was like kind of hurt and disappointed and but the problem was wasn't her it was me I just wasn't thinking about her at all so I had to pray about it, and like, okay, God, I suppose I gotta ask. I should ask Sue, like, what she would want to do. Novel idea. And uh, but I'm just gonna. I want to reassure you that it all worked out. We got it all figured out, and and I did invite myself on someone else's vacation. So, <laughs> praise God. It's gonna be fun. Uh, <laughs> uh, now, I want to get into this word submit, though. Okay. Again, uh, submit. It's not re- like wrestling. It's not like a chokehold. It's not, okay? This is a great word. It's a beautiful word. And sometimes you, like we, we say words and talk about words, but we never really stop and think about what they mean, okay? I'll give you an example. Encourage. Have you ever thought about what it means to encourage someone? Have you? Like anyone? Like when you encourage someone, you instill courage into them. You literally put courage into into someone. That's a beautiful thing. So if you feel like you're not courageous, but encouraging is your gift, I want to tell you something. You're more courage. You got more courage than you think. Evidently, you got enough to give away. But submission is like that. And and it's a key word. There's two words in this word, and it's sub and mission, okay? Submission. And sub means to come under someone else's mission. So submission, coming under someone else's mission, And I'm just telling you, it's not hard at all to come under someone else's mission when their mission is Jesus. And their mission is aligned with what Jesus is doing. And the last I checked, when Jesus left this earth, He gave us an awesome mission to do: go out, go out to the whole world, reach all all nations, all countries, make disciples, baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We got an amazing mission, a powerful mission, and we as married couples should be on mission for Jesus. Uh, is it possible? Now, I'm very sensitive when I talk about marriage and I talk about weddings. That, that I'm very sensitive. Uh, with, with the, the topic, because there, I know that there's divorce and it's real. I, I, my parents divorced when I was 11, and I know there's a tons of reasons why people divorce, but is it possible that maybe divorce has happened in the church and it could be contributed to the fact that one or two of them lost focus on the mission? I know when Sue and I are on mission and we're doing things that, that are aligned and we're united that our intimacy goes through the roof. Now, men, let me just speak to you specifically for a second. Men, if, if Paul said that the, the woman is supposed to submit to our mission, it's on us to actually have a mission worth getting under, amen? Amen. Amen. I heard a great pastor, Erwin McManus, that he spoke to men one time and he said, you know, a ton of our wives have more vision or bigger mission than we do. We just don't have one. And, and for them, if they really did want to submit to our mission, they'd literally need to crawl under it to submit to the mission. They just would because there is no mission. And I'm just telling you, we don't have any excuse because we follow the Lord Jesus whose mission is so big that we could always go after. We will submit to his mission. He will always take us to higher levels and anyone around us will go with us. We will always be on mission for Jesus and be living at a higher level. I mean, you can amen and clap for that, please. Like, we should live this way. Again, it's not a bad thing to submit to someone's mission when it's good and it's for Jesus. Okay, Husbands, talk about a high calling. We're called to love our wives as Christ loved the church. He gave up everything for his church. He gave up heaven to come and save and rescue his church. We must love our wives as we love ourselves. The question is, do we really love ourselves? Uh, I, I know this, this, is a, this is something that we need to pray about. Uh, 1 Peter three seven said this, treat her as you should so your, your prayers will not be hindered. Very easy. If you want to change your wife, love her unconditionally, pray for her and let God do the work. Spouses, we can do this for one another. Don't try to change your spouse. Let God do that. That's God's job. Now, just some real quick, I'm going to finish this up Practical tips on growing in intimacy, okay? These will be up on the screen. This is from a book called Road Warrior by Stephen Arterburn and Sam Gullicky. I think I said that right. Number one, number one tip on how to build uh, 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 intimacy in your relationship. One more, number one, laugh together laugh together. Laugh. Have some fun. Tell jokes. If you're terrible at jokes, trip over something. Look like Nick on rollerblades, okay? Like, try harder. Like, there's ways to laugh, okay? Laughing, it it allows you to breathe. Sometimes life is heavy, and we need to laugh. We need to Breathe and laughing allows breathing in a marriage relationship. If you can laugh together, you can cry together. Laughing is a great investment, it's a great way to fill the intimacy, love tank of your, of your spouse. Laugh together, encourage each other. Number two, encourage one another. Man, be each other's cheerleader, be their greatest cheerleader. Speak life giving words over your spouse. When you're out in public, speak highly of your spouse. Give them amens, like talk about the things that they're doing and they're interested in. Get, get interested in your spouse and then affirm them in what they do. Uh, just, just speak high-level words that strengthen, encourage, and comfort. We, have, we all have words. We should use them to build each other up. Fill their love tank. Touching each other. Amen. Huh? Some people who have love language, physical touch and closeness, it's okay to touch each other. I know PDA is a real problem in society, okay? But not, I'm not talking about i public, and I'm talking about outside the bedroom. We can, we can hold hands. We can put arms around each other. We can sit next to each other. We can pray for one another. These are beautiful ways to build intimacy in, in one another. Another key thing is if you don't have good, healthy touch with your husband or your wife or your spouse, you may find it try to find it elsewhere. And that's not a good thing. Dads, this speaks to us, especially for daughters. When when they hit that age, that age of 13, like you still have to be physically close and touch with your kids because otherwise your daughters may go somewhere else to find it if they need it. We're the only pure vessel for them to get it. Serious. That's the whole point here with, with uh, uh, touching one another. OK, this is the way it looks like at our home. Uh, this, is, this is the way Sue and I OK, sorry. This is, this is about what it looks like. She always runs from me. It makes me uh, burn more calories, uh, but I'm not saying I speak French and smell like a skunk, but she generally says, like, pushing into it. like anyway.. Um, Talk about your feelings. Man, I know this is hard for some of us. It's not hard for me. Like, I don't care. I'll give you too much information. Like, just, it's your problem if you start talking to me. But we should really, honestly, put your phones down and give them the why. Like, this is why I feel the way I do. Talk about what's going on inside. It's okay. This should be the safest place. And when your spouse does talk about the why, don't beat them up for it. Like, go, ah, wow, can I pray for you? Can I pray for that? Pray for one another. Love one another. Talk about your feelings. It's okay. Uh, um, Forgiving and being forgiven. This is huge. Don't let there be any conflict, unresolved conflict in your marriages. Man, and if you don't know, pray about it. Again, if you talk about your feelings, you might actually discover that, that you have something to forgive or be forgiven about. And man, by all means, get on a knee and ask for forgiveness. Man, I challenge you to be the first one to say, I'm sorry. Like someone's got to start. Somebody start. Someone say, I'm sorry. And whatever you do, don't say, I'm sorry, but, okay? That's the worst thing you could do. Don't say, but, okay? No buts. Like if you if you tempted to say, but, just run. Like get out of the room, just say, I'm sorry, and then run out of the room. I know it's really hard to do, okay? Uh, cool thing. Um uh, uh, Protecting your image of your spouse. This is huge, okay? We have to do this. Protect the image of your spouse. What do you mean, Topper? I mean, don't look at anyone else. Like, don't try to satisfy the lust of the flesh by looking at anyone other than your spouse. Simple prayer. This is what I pray. I'm honest. I pray this prayer. I'm like, God, I only want eyes for you and Sue. Just eyes for you and Sue, Jesus. Praise God. If you're going to pray that prayer, you should change the name, though. Put your own spouse, okay? Okay. All right, don't be praying about my wife, okay? Just wanted to help you out there. Let me, let me practice with you. Lord, just give me eyes for you and fill in the blank, okay? Whatever your spouse's name is, that works really good. Um, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna land this plane and, and I, I got something. This is gold, okay? We're gonna end it with a little bit of wisdom from the longest marriage in the United States, okay? This couple, longest marriage in the United States, Herbert and Zelmyra Fisher of James City, North Carolina, would have been married for 87 years. Wow. They would have been married for 87 years in May of 2011 had Herbert not passed away at age 105. Leaving his his 103-year-old bride... Herbert and Zelmira hold the Guinness World Record for the longest marriage. In 2011, they received a commendation from the president and an invitation to the White House. When asked, what's your your secret? Zalmyra said, there isn't any secret. It was only God that kept us together. Amen? Amen? Uh, There's more. Uh, On Valentine's Day in 2010, the happily married couple started a Twitter account uh to answer some relationship questions this is so cool this is so cool only they they all you know, they started a twitter account i probably won't do that i don't think anyone would do anything like ask any questions <laughs> but anyway so here's i just i got a couple of the answers i wish i could give them all to you but uh it says this i picked a couple at the end of a bad relationship day this is a question what is the most important thing to remind yourself of? This is the way they answered. They said, remember, marriage is not a contest. Never keep score. God has put the two of you together on the same team to win. Is that not good, church? That is, a. I mean, that is a dynamic truth. Maybe, maybe it hasn't hit you yet, but have you ever stopped to think that maybe I shouldn't be fighting with this person because they're on my team? Have you ever tried to play a sport and you realize that someone you're playing is, is against you? Okay, I had a buddy that thought this one time. I accidentally tackled him, and I didn't mean to, but I just, I ran into, you know. I mean, how, does it feel like that sometimes in your marriage? It shouldn't. We're on the same team. It shouldn't feel like that in church. It shouldn't feel like that at your workplace. It shouldn't feel like that at home. We're on the same team. So as an exercise, what I want you to do, if you're sitting next to your spouse, turn to your spouse and say, you're on the same team. Go ahead. Praise God. Now, if your spouse is in here and it got awkward, that's okay, because we're the church, okay? And we should be saying that to one another. So now turn to the other person next to you and say, I'm on the same team. Now give them a high five. Come on, high fives are spiritual. They are. That's good, see? See, doesn't that feel good? Sometimes you just gotta declare stuff. You gotta look at your spouse, you gotta look at your dad, your mom, your neighbor, whatever, just goes, hey, we're on the same team, okay? That's a good thing to say. Uh, Second one, and this is where we're ending. This is the question. What's the one thing you have in common that transcends everything else? What's the one thing that transcends everything else? This was their answer. This is gold. We are both Christians and believe in God. Marriage is a commitment to the Lord. We pray with and for each other every day amen 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 i'm telling you i've heard it it may sound cliche marriages that pray together stay together i know this is a real deal it may seem hard it's a discipline you gotta you gotta reach your hand out grab your spouse's hand pray with them pray with them if you got a daughter pray with her if you got a son pray with them pray pray with people it works it's like glue to relationships If I could, I want to end this service. I want to pray for you married couples. If you're in here and you're married, please stand up. If your spouse is in here, you can still stand up because you're still married. Just stand up and uh, we want to pray for you. Why? Because it's important. Remember, marriage is a template for the world to see Christ and his church through. We got to do this, church. We can do this. So if you would, if you're next to someone and they're standing up, just if you feel like you want to, you can stand up. If you're going to get married, go ahead. If you're, if you're new, you're almost going to get married, you're engaged to get married, you can stand up. Like we want to pray for marriages. So if you want to stand up and pray over someone, go ahead. But dear Lord, thank you so much for this message. Thank you so much, God, for marriage, the gift of marriage. God, I know it's near and dear to your heart. And Jesus, someday, someday, we will be in heaven with you. We will be your bride and you will be our bridegroom. God, thank you, Jesus, for the gift of marriage. I pray over these marriages as we stand here today that if there's anything that needs healing, they are healed in Jesus' name today, God. If there's any forgiveness needed, it would happen in Jesus' name. I pray that they would get realigned with your mission, Jesus, and we would be on mission together. We would have marriages on mission in the church, God, and we'd be living, excited, empowered, and driven by the love of Jesus. God, thank you so much for this message. Thank you, God, for your love for us. And God, we pray all this in your mighty name. Amen, amen, amen.